Awesome. Thank you, guys. I may never give you my idea again, but that's okay. No, it was great. It was perfect. Good morning. My name is Brian. How's everybody? You guys clearly have never been to AA because when I say, good morning, my name is Brian, you're supposed to say, hi, Brian. Very good. That's much better. Very good. Maybe, maybe you need to revisit the meeting sometime. I don't know. What? Well, no. uh, <laughs> um, it is really good to be with you today. We're going to talk about prayer. It should say prayer up there. It will eventually. But um, when we talk about prayer, what is prayer? And and one of the things that, as Max mentioned, we're going to be talking about throughout the summer is, is some of the things that are really important to us as we attempt to follow God in this way of Jesus, as we as we try to walk along this journey together. And, and prayer is a, is a big part of it. Now, I don't know how well, how much you know about me, but in my life, at least in, in some previous parts of my life, I've spent a lot of time working with pastors and youth pastors and young church planners and other people like that. And you know what's sort of sad and sort of amazing, but also really true, is that lots of people have no idea what prayer really is or what it's really about. And so we're going to sort of talk, we're going to wade into that a little bit today. Um, there are some images up here, which is great. Um, and I don't know what image comes to mind when you think of prayer. I'm going to start sort of clockwise in the upper left-hand corner. Maybe when you think about prayer, you think about this, like this guy. He's eyes, eyes closed, head bowed, hands, you know, hands folded. I don't know if you can see very well. He's got even a little cross in his hand, so maybe he's extra special praying. I don't know. Maybe, maybe for you, prayer is just something that, that children do. I mean, if you're really honest about it, it was something you did when you were a kid. You know, you prayed, God, help me with this test, please. I didn't study at all. Um, or maybe that was just me. Or, or maybe, you, maybe as a kid you prayed for your sick dog. Or, but now that we're sort of grown up, we don't really need to pray. I don't, I don't know, maybe that's for you. Maybe that bottom picture, you know, somebody boldly proclaiming their prayers before God. Maybe that's your picture of prayer. And if you're ADD like I am a little bit, uh, Eat, Pray, Love, maybe that's just what comes to mind, that book and that movie. <clears throat> I don't know. Uh, and then in the, in the bottom left, I don't know if you can see that very well, but there are several hands there praying, and they have rosary beads. And I don't know what tradition you grew up in, but if you grew up in a Catholic tradition, maybe, maybe that's a, a way of prayer where you recite prayers, and there are a certain number of times you should say the prayers and those kinds of things. And then there's a yoga prayer person, you know, which I'm not going to do yoga for you today. And everybody said amen. Uh, but I don't know what picture comes. <laughs> I've seen yoga, though. I have seen it. <clears throat> um, I don't know what, what picture comes to your, to your mind when you think of prayer. But I want to ask you just a little bit. You can go to the next slide. What is prayer? If somebody came up to you on the street and said, okay, what is prayer? And you said, prayer is, what would you say? Just a few people. Just shout it out. It's okay. Say it again. Talking to God. Yes. What else? Worship. Good. Somebody else? Private. Okay. What is prayer is what? Conversation. Good. Anybody else? This side of the room is sort of quiet, so I don't know what's going on. What'd you say? Listening. Listening. Okay, good, good, good. For the purpose of today, I want to give sort of a a working definition of prayer, and and I'm going to unpack it a little bit, and a lot of what you talked about is there, but what prayer is communicating with God. So, So to put this in some context, think about somebody that you communicate with on a regular basis, okay? So go ahead and go to the next slide. What are some ways that you communicate with them? Just... Just think about all the ways you communicate. Just list them out. Facebook. Facebook, yes. Good. What else? Email. 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 Telephone, you bet. In person over coffee. What? Face-to-face conversation? 
That's crazy talk. Yes, right. What else? What else? Text? Anybody text? Yes? Okay. How else? How else do you communicate? Smoke signals. Yes, we do that at Asbury sometimes. Facial expressions. You bet. Good, good. And, and there's all kinds of ways we do that, right? Like, like, I'm pretty sure when I say to my wife, Carol, is everything okay? And she says, yes, it's fine. That things aren't really fine. I'm, I, you know, I've learned that much in marriage, right? So there's some nonverbal communication. So we definitely have verbal communication, where we talk and, and where we listen. And then nonverbal communication, which is, you know, the facial expressions, the body language. There's all kinds of stories we can tell about that. And then we also communicate in ways that we express ourselves. <clears throat> For example, we, we sort of overlook this, I think, a lot. But, like, art is a great example. The ways that we express ourselves through art. So whether that's painting, drawing, um, whether that's film or song. Have you ever heard a song and you just said, you've given the song to somebody and said, if you want to know where I am right now, this is it right here. Anybody ever felt that way? Or seen a scene in a movie and said, I don't really know what else is going on, but that right there seems to capture something for me. Anybody, anybody there? Yeah? So <clears throat> an expression we communicate too. There's all these ways we communicate. So the question I sort of have as we begin, and, and these two guys sort of hit on it, why, why do we think that there's sort of only one way we can pray. Oftentimes when I talk to people about prayer and we get down to the, the heart of it, sort of only one picture of prayer comes to mind. Why is that? Why is that? Um, <clears throat> we have a baby with us. Yes, that's good. And I'm so glad. Now, I'm not gonna ask you, I'm not gonna try to embarrass you, or I'm not gonna ask you to come up here, but because you have a baby right now, okay, you know some things that some of us either don't know or, or have forgotten. So if we can review for a second. When the baby is hungry, how do you know? How does it communicate to you that it's hungry? Cries, okay? When the baby needs, say, a diaper change, it communicates how? Cries, you bet. <laughs> now, occasionally, babies are happy. So when the baby's happy, how do you, how do you know that? How do you know your, your baby's happy? Smiles, okay? Or sometimes they giggle, right? Right? See, there are all kinds of different, there are three kinds of language that I want to talk about, three different sort of types of language. The first is that, that we're talking about with a baby, this heart language, right, the, where there's no words needed. We don't, no one has to teach us this language. We know it from the second we're born, right? It's this language where we begin to, to cry, right? And, and a mom can tell you, and sometimes a dad if he's paying attention, but a mom can tell you for sure that there are different kinds of cries, Right? And you know this in your heart. You know this even as big boys and girls, even as grown-ups, as adults, as teenagers, you know this, that there are certain tears that you cry that mean different things, right? And sometimes there's no words that could possibly fill out what that means, right? Those tears mean, or that laughter means, or, right? There's that heart language. Are you tracking with me? Second kind of language is, is what, when a baby starts to grow up, is what we begin to teach them. It's the simple language. So, for example, um, the bleachers are what color? Blue, right? And I get in a car. What's a car? It's got four wheels, you know. And, and the wheels are what shape? Round, right? And so that's just the basic language of life. And that's the first thing we begin to teach people. And, and that's the language, to be honest, most of us speak in. I don't know if you know this, but the English language is an incredibly rich language. It doesn't mean it has a lot of money. It means we have lots of words. Do you, do you know this? Lots of words. Like, I don't, I, I don't know what, even what the count is, but it's... It's an absurd number of words, and we keep doubling the number of words in the English language almost every year. We just like to add makeup words. It's beautiful. 
But we, as typically, we use like 2% of all the words in the English language. Most people use about 2% of those. Why? Because we use basic language. This just makes sense. And then there's technical language. And whatever you do as a job, as a hobby, something you enjoy, John Mark back there. John Mark, wave your hand, thank you. John Mark likes computers. He helps with sound stuff. There's a technical language that goes with that, even though you don't have a degree in that, do you? He does not have a degree. But even, even though he doesn't have a degree, he knows there's some specific language. Like, there are certain ways to talk about chords. These aren't just chords, right? Or ropes. <laughs> or whatever, you, whatever us uneducated folks might call them, right? And, and uh, whatever you study, whatever you know, there's certain language that goes with that. We know that Eskimos have like 15 words for snow or something like that, right? And we just call it snow. It's all snow to us. But for them, because they know it well, so that's technical language. Does that make sense? Okay. So here's what's important as we begin to talk about this. The language for life is the exact same language as language for prayer. The same sounds, the same vowels, the same words. It's the same. There's no special language you have to learn to pray. I want to say that again because it's really important. There's no special language you have to learn to pray. There's not a special way. I, there was a guy when I was growing up, he would come and speak at our church about once a year. <clears throat> His name was Ted Lee. And Ted, um, he would sort of talk normal if you would see him off stage. But once he got on stage, and you guys know, maybe you've heard people like this, he would preach like this. And he would start talking like this. And when he would pray, even if he just said, Ted, would you, would you just say a prayer over our dinner? God. I want to just ask that you bless uh, this food, right? And it's like, where, where, what happened to you? Like, what? Are you okay? Like, something would overtake him, right? And that was just, but can I say to you that sometimes we just think that we have to sort of do, there's a formula or some special way that we have to pray. Can I say to you that there is no special formula for prayer? That prayer is common language. Prayer language is common language. Throughout Scripture, and I'm going to talk about this in just a second in some really practical ways, but throughout Scripture, the language of prayer is common language. It's the basic language of our heart. T.S. Eliot says we have to get rid of this God talk, you know, this sort of fancy talk. And I love this. It says, with God talk, we have knowledge of speech, but not of silence. Knowledge of words and ignorance of the word. Where is the life we have lost in living? Where is the wisdom we have lost in knowledge? Where is the knowledge we have lost in all this information, right? We, we sometimes, we try so hard and put all these things around this prayer thing that we miss the point. I'm gonna read really quickly from Isaiah chapter one. Now, I, I just read this, not because this maybe represents us, but I just want you to hear God's heart on this. The very beginning of Isaiah is addressed to his people, that God's people, those he has chosen, he's blessed them, but not just to bless them so they're extra special and they get extra special presents at Christmas or something. He's blessed them so that they can share with the world about who he is, not only in their words, but in the way they live. And he's given them a special way to live and, and he's given them ways to pray. He's given them special uh, celebrations there to have to remember the way he's been faithful. And so it begins with the sort of rant. And I'm gonna pick up in verse 12 or 11, is it verse 11, and, and Jesus is, is very upset, we'll just, or God's just very upset. And he says, 
Why are all those sacrifices offered to me, asked God. I'm fed up with burnt offerings of rams and the fat of fattened animals. I get no pleasure from the blood of bulls, lambs, and goats. Yes, you come to appear in my presence. But who asked you to do this? To trample through my courtyard. Stop bringing worthless grain offerings. They are like disgusting incense to me. And then he, he keeps going on and talking about everything in me just hates what you're doing, hates your festivals that are a burden to me. I'm tired of putting up with them. And he goes on and on. And part of it is this, simply this. It's not that he hates the prayer. It's not that he hates the festivals. It's not that he hates the sacrifice. You know what he hates? That they're just sort of going through the motions. That they've put technical language around this and they feel like if we just do this stuff, then somehow it's like a formula. So it's like manipulating God. If I do this, then God has to give me this. But God's heart isn't that at all. What God's heart is, this, hear me say this. God's heart is that we give him us. We give him our heart. Let me talk about how this means for prayer. Uh, Throughout scripture, God uses this personal language, this basic language. Uh, Jesus models this over and over and over again in scripture. I challenge you sometime just to begin to read through the gospels. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. The very beginning of what we call the New Testament. And in that, if you have a Bible where Jesus' words are in red letters, it's the red letter parts. But just read what Jesus says. And I want you to pay attention. Jesus knew technical language, there's no doubt. Jesus was probably one of the most educated people of his day. We know from, if you sort of dig into it and you pay attention, you see that Jesus was a rabbi, a rabbi with authority. That means he knew all 613 of the Jewish commands. He probably kept all 613 of the Jewish commands on a regular basis. This is not easy. I can't remember Ten Commandments, let alone 613. But Jesus, so he knew this stuff. He, he, he knew how to have these conversations. But what you see in Scripture again and again and again and again and again is Jesus uses basic language. In fact, even in his prayers, he uses basic language. One of the things that's interesting about, about Jesus and about life, story and prayer are the core language of our humanity. Do you notice this? Like, I, I could stand up and, and give sort of a, a treatise and, and four points on why we should do blah, 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 blah. And my students, I'm a, I'm a professor, my students will nod off. But if I start telling stories, they're right there, right? You know this, right? Prayer and story are the core language of, heart, of our humanity. But can I say this too, that it's also the core language of Scripture. If you begin to pay attention to Scripture, we see this over and over again. God uses this kind of personal language. And so part of personal language, somebody mentioned listening earlier when we asked, what is prayer? Part of personal language includes some silence. You know this, if you have a really close friend, you know one of the gifts of a great friend is you can be quiet together. You know? You can be silent together. And sometimes that silence says as much as many words could. And, and silence is an important part of this basic language. In our language, we have to pause to listen so we can hear people. Have you ever had a conversation with someone where it's not really a conversation, it's just sort of their monologue? And every time you try to get a word in, they interrupt. Don't look at them, but I'm just saying. No, I'm just saying. <laughs> 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 Have you ever had that, right? I'm, right? So you know that there, there has to be, to, for it to be communication, it's not just speaking, but it's listening, right? So in, in prayer, and even in the basic, most basic language, there's listening, there's this pausing. Prayer, too, requires this. Uh, we, we know in our writing, I want you to see this. Click to the next slide for me. I don't know if you can read this. It's a little paragraph. But what's missing? Spacing and punctuation. And why are those there? Because they tell us when to 
pause, right? So that we can listen and we can sort of figure out what just happened. If we have no space in our, we know this even in our language. If there's no space, then there's no silence, there's no pause, and we can't make sense of anything. Why is this so hard in our daily life? Our culture tells us more is better. But can I just say, maybe, maybe when it comes to words, maybe when it comes to prayer, maybe more isn't better. Can I just challenge you with that? So silence is a must in our prayers as well, so that we can listen, so that we can hear. And, and I want you to hear this. I believe that what we listen to is two things. Sometimes we need to pause so we can listen to our own heart, so we can just be honest with ourselves. And sometimes our pause to listen is to what God is saying to us as well. See, prayer is our first language. Everybody does it. Whether they realize it or not, we all pray. We all do. It's, it's the, the very first thing we do when we're born, believe it or not, is a prayer. And it's, it's the cry of the baby, right? And what is that cry basically saying? Help me, right? It's, a, it's, it's the way God made us, that we begin from our depths of our heart to cry out. That's what God wants from us. He wants your heart. He wants what's on your mind. He wants your emotions. He wants your number one concern. He wants to hear that. And the last thing we do before we die is pray again. That last breath we take is a thank you, whether we realize it or not. Prayer is our first language. So the question sort of is, can prayer be anytime, anywhere, anything? And can I tell you what that question really is? If it, it, at least in my experience, what that prayer really is about is this. Is God big enough? Can God really handle it if I tell him the truth? If I tell him how upset I really am? That I'm angry with him because this happened in my life? Is God really big enough to handle that? Is God big enough for him to handle me just pouring out my heart and my true heart and saying, this is what upsets me and this is how these people have broken me and is God really big enough? That's the question really. Is God big enough to take what we have? Is God big enough to take our emotion, the basic, truest language of who we are? Is God big enough to handle that? I wanna propose to you that he is. Some people say, well, I I don't know where to start as I begin to pray. You talk about praying in everyday language. You talk about praying all the time, praying in basic language. Now, I want to be really careful here. I'm not trying to prescribe for you the exact way you should pray. In fact, just in the ways that we communicate with other people, I think it's a great indication that all of us sort of should pray in different ways. Max has talked about how he enjoys being in nature, right? And that exercise of being outside and that expression of being outside somehow enables him to have some conversation, communication with God. If that's you, then, then that's what it should be for you. But, but others of us maybe say, well, I want some maybe a little more concrete things. So there are a few things. It, I, on the back table back here, we've put them. I'm going to put them up here too. But a few examples I want to give you. Uh, from scripture that you might go to just as a, as a way to say, I, I want to put some words to my prayers. The first is the Psalms. I'll just recommend the whole thing. And one of the beautiful things about the Psalms, if you, if you haven't read them, is there are all kinds of places where he's saying, God, you are great. God, you are wonderful, and I praise you. And, and certainly we feel that way sometimes. But I want to read to you just a, a snippet from one other Psalm. This is from the very beginning of Psalm chapter 13. 
says this, how long, O oh Lord, will you forget me forever? Anybody ever felt that way? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I keep asking myself what to do with sorrow in my heart every day? How long must my enemy dominate me? And then, then listen to this, the courage of the psalmist. Look at me and answer, Lord my God. This is heart language. Do you hear this? Do you hear the, the, the movement of the heart here? Give light to my eyes or I will sleep the sleep of death. Then my enemy would say, I was able to beat him and my adversaries would rejoice at my downfall. There's courage in the Psalms. There's courage to say, this is really what's going on inside of me. And I want to give that to you, God. Here it is. This is my heart. That's what prayer is. Jesus models for us. There are six different places in Scripture where we find Jesus' prayers. And so they're up here. There's also a handout, a um, little half sheet. I thought I had it with me. I don't. But back at the back table, um, it just has these listed. So if you want to grab this and, and take it home, you can. Um, so it's written down for you. You don't have to scribble it all down really quick. But the first one is Jesus prays with us. And this is sort of the one most of us know. Is what we, we might call it the Lord's Prayer. The second one is Jesus prays in thanksgiving. A couple verses where Jesus just models for us giving thanks to God the Father. Jesus prays in anticipation of the end. He knows what's coming and he begins to pray. Uh, Jesus prays for us. Max read part of this from John chapter 17. If you've never read that chapter, do yourself a favor today and just, just sit down and read that. Hear God, hear the very heart of Jesus in basic language. Jesus prays the agony of Gethsemane. That's right before um, he dies and, and we know some of what happens there. Jesus prays from the cross, and then there's seven last words of Jesus, and, and those are the scriptures of those seven last words up there. Here's what I want to say to you. What Jesus begins to model in these prayers, and, and part of the rhythm we need to learn is people who may be trusting in Christ is, this is heart language. Jesus speaks in basic heart language. And so I want to challenge you to begin to give God you. Not, not to try to put technical language behind stuff, not to, not to try to paint these beautiful prayers of you know, poetic beauty or whatever, but, but to give him your heart. And sometimes, honestly, our hearts are pretty ugly, yes? But that's okay. I want to challenge you to give him that. When we pray, when we begin to give our hearts to him, basically what we're doing is we're praying in Jesus' name. Even if we don't say that phrase, in Jesus' name I pray. But as we begin to trust God with our hearts, what we're basically doing is praying in Jesus' name. Now, when we pray in someone's name, when we use someone's name, we know a few things. That a name represents more than words. So if I say, I'm going to pick on Max again. If I say that Max, do you know Max? You don't think M-A-X, three letters, consonant, vowel, consonant. You know, you don't think about the word. You think about Max the person, right? You think about the things maybe he's done for you. You think about the way he's led the church. You think about a sermon he gave. You think about... Whatever. You think about his shoes, I don't know, whatever, right? So you think about Max the person, right? And, and so when we pray in Jesus' name, that's what we're, we're, when we're trusting him with us, that's what we're doing. And the name represents the whole of the person. Now, let, let me put this in, in some really specific ways. Jesus is the one who came and lived the perfect life, Yes? He didn't sin. He did nothing to break relationship with God or with others. There's none of that in Jesus' life. He's the one whose name we pray in. Do you know that Jesus, too, prays for us? Hebrews chapter 7, verse 25, really quickly just says, he always, talking about Jesus, Jesus always lives to make intercession. You know what intercession means? 
and he stands between. In other words, he's always praying for us. The perfect one, the one who lived, was fully human and fully God, but fully human, lived here on earth, just like you do, lived in perfect obedience, deserved none of the death that he got, none of the persecution he got, but he lived the perfect life. That one stands in intercession for you to the Father and says, I pray for filling your name here. I pray for them. You know, there are times when we don't feel like praying because maybe the sorrow is too great or maybe the pain in our heart is too much. Can I say to you, in those moments, Jesus prays for you. There are times when we are broken. Can I say to you in those times, Jesus prays for you. When you don't think you know how to pray, you don't have any words to put to whatever it is, can I say to you, Jesus prays for you. You're too tired, Jesus prays for you. You're too busy, Jesus prays for you. Something significant happens here. I, I, I can't, it's so important. On the cross, yes, Jesus died for our sins. But you know, right when Jesus died, you know what the scripture tells us? that in the temple there's this place. Now, in, in those days, God, actually his presence came into the temple, a physical place. And in the temple there's rooms within rooms, but the important thing here is there's the holy place, the place where God's presence actually was. And that place was separated from everybody else by this veil, 60 feet high, 20 feet wide. And the, the thickness of it, the smallest thickness, I've looked and looked and looked, and no one can tell me exactly how thick it was. The smallest is four inches thick, which is pretty thick. The, the biggest I've seen, some people say, maybe as, as thick as three feet. What we do know is it took 200 men just to move this thing, okay? So this veil, it separated everybody else from God's presence. When Jesus died, it says the veil is ripped in two from top to bottom. Do you understand what that means? That the holy place... The place where God is is now every place. Everywhere you go, you are in God's presence. Do you feel this? Do you see that when the veil was ripped in two, when the veil is ripped, that, that the Holy One of God is now our contemporary. We don't have to go somewhere special. We don't have to have someone special, some priest intercede on our behalf. He is there with us in the midst of everything every day. In the midst of our failure, he's with us. In the midst of our brokenness, he's there with us. When some other people betray us, He's with us. When things happen in life we don't understand, he's there with us. There, where God is, is not there anymore, it's here. Then, when God will move, isn't, a, isn't somewhere else, it's now. When the veil is ripped in two, all of these things become present in our everyday life. His time becomes our time. His heart can become our heart. See, prayer can be every day, everything that we do, all the time. What if, as it says, what if our very thoughts, our very breath, our very words were the thoughts, breath, and words of Jesus? So we didn't just talk, but we prayed in everything that we did, in everyday life. Really quickly, um, and I hesitate to do this in some ways because, again, I don't want to prescribe prayer. But some people will say to me, Brian, okay, I hear what you're saying, but 
what does this begin to look like? What are some ways I can start to make this a, a regular part of my life? So I'm just going to give you a few things that have been helpful to some people. If they're helpful to you, great. If they wouldn't be helpful to you, then just pretend you never heard them. But a, a few things, a few ways to maybe begin to engage this on a regular basis to try this out. One thing I know a friend of mine does every day, he wakes up in the morning, and before he actually gets out of bed, he just thinks about his day. At least as it's planned. We often know days don't go quite like we planned. And he just tries to think about all the people that he will see that day. And he just, as they come to his mind, he just says a little prayer for them. God, be with my conversation. And you, maybe you're different than me, but there are a few people in my life who sometimes bother me and I don't really want to have conversations with. You know, maybe you have that for people too. Again, don't look at them. But uh, if you have that person in your life, as that person comes to mind, just pray, God, help that to be a good conversation today. Help me not to be so bothered by the little things they do. Maybe somebody who's a good friend you're gonna have a conversation with that day. Thank you, God, for the life this friendship gives me. Just, it's from your heart, right? It's just speaking from your heart. Another way to pray, <clears throat> we all have to breathe. I don't know if you're aware of this. If you stop breathing, yeah, there are issues. So, and there are two parts to breathing, right? Breathe in, and then you have to breathe out. If you don't, you're, again, you're in lots of trouble. So, for thousands of years, people have been doing this thing called the Jesus Prayer. It's just a way that they pray while they're breathing. So when they breathe in, they just say the name they're most comfortable calling God. So whatever it is for you, Daddy, Father, Jesus Christ. Traditionally, it's been Jesus Christ. As people breathe in, they say Jesus Christ. And then just two or three words that might summarize the prayer that's, the, that, that's most on your heart right now. So maybe it's forgive me as you breathe out, or maybe it's have mercy, or maybe it's uh, help me today, or whatever it is, but just a way to, as you pray, as you breathe, you just pray. Jesus Christ, have mercy, whatever it is, but, but it's just a way. My kids love this prayer. I, I, my, they do. They love it, and, and it's a great time when you're just sitting maybe at a stoplight, and you're nothing else to do, right? Just uh, maybe a way to pray. Another way um, is to do what you love, um, God's given us all things that we love. I mentioned Max like, enjoys being in nature, but maybe for you it's exercise. I have a friend who says, Brian, you know where I really pray? It's when I'm running. You know, There's something in that act. That, that For me, I pray when I run, but it's not a holy prayer. <laughs> but you know, for some people, that's where they connect, right? And other people, they might say, it's when I'm painting or when I'm, when I'm doing music or when I'm... Make what those things that you love to do, make them your prayer. Make them your expression. Remember, prayer isn't about the words. It's about giving God your heart. Um, when your heart speaks to you, pay attention to that. Sometimes something will move you. Maybe it's in a song or a movie or a sermon or a prayer or whatever. Just pay attention and say, God, thank you for that movement in my heart. I want to give that to you. Just, just try to be intentional about the way your heart speaks. And then this is the hardest one for most of us. But I might recommend to you actually embracing some silence. Now, some people I know actually really love this, but I think for most of our culture, it's a big challenge. Just to be alone and quiet with God. For some people, it means just turning off your radio in your car for a while and just listening. For some of us, maybe it means spending some time away from all the other distractions. I have four kids. I work a full-time job. I'm in a full-time PhD program. Believe me, I need some time away sometimes, right? So I can just shut up and listen. Listen. Maybe spend that time. Just try to schedule that some, some place in your day or some place in your month or, or year. But those are some ways that people have prayed traditionally. 
We're gonna come and sing in just a minute a couple songs, I think, again. And as we do, let me just challenge you with this thought. What if everything I do is prayer? How could I begin that starting right now? As we sing songs, maybe the, the words to the songs can be part of my prayer. Or maybe the emotion that I feel in my heart as I sing, maybe that can be part of my prayer. Um, as we do that, I just want to challenge you to sing. So I'm going to say uh, uh, some words to a prayer. Um, and as they come, we'll, we'll wrap up with a song or two. Let's pray together.